a report from the publication Futurism claims that Sports Illustrated has been publishing AI-generated product reviews with little to no supervision. It's Wednesday, November 29th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. We're going to dive into the allegations on Sports Illustrated with the writer who broke the story in just a couple minutes. First, let's hit some news. The Oakland A's are leaving, but the Oakland B's are coming in. The Oakland Ballers, Oakland B's for short, are a Pioneer League baseball team launching next year in what could be the A's final year in the city. The Pioneer League is an independent league that plays a 96-game season over the summer. The team is coming together through coordinated efforts of city officials like Mayor Shang Tao, A's fan groups like the Oakland 68s, and local celebrities like rapper Mr. Fab. The team has recruited former Mariners manager and A's bench coach Don Wakamatsu to be their top baseball executive. The Bees will play at Laney College, former home to the Oakland Roots, and a site that the A's targeted years ago in their long quest for a new stadium. And no, the Pioneer League is not the major leagues. No one is pretending it is. But it's heartening to see this community go beyond feeling sad and angry about losing the A's to starting its own thing. This is a community that loves its teams, even in the case of the A's in the last few years when they're not getting loved back. But go to an Oakland Roots game if you don't believe me. So yes, this is the B team, but they'll have the sort of support that will make a lot of A teams jealous. The NHL wants you to care about its All-Star Game weekend, and it's making some big changes to try and make that happen. The league is bringing back the player draft, where the four teams are selected by captains in a live draft. And yes, the NHL All-Star Game involves four teams, which play 20-minute three-on-three games with the winners playing each other. So as you can tell, this was already a league that was willing to mess around with formats. In fact, the NHL probably doesn't get enough credit for its willingness to tinker with its product, both for games that don't count and the ones that do. The other big change to the All-Star Weekend is that there will also be a three-on-three game played by stars of the Professional Women's Hockey League. The PWHL is launching in January with its first game on New Year's Day. The fact that the NHL was incorporating it into its own big weekend one month into the PWHL's existence shows that the league is serious about growing women's hockey. There are a lot of college football bowl games, and frankly, the title sponsorships are all over the place for these. Just to name a few, there's the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl, the famous Toastery Bowl, Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, the Military Bowl presented by GoBowling.com, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, and the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which I am told involves disturbing quantities of mayonnaise. So it's getting harder and harder to stand out in this particular crowd, but the Pop-Tarts Bowl is making an effort to get our attention by upping the weird factor with an edible mascot, two words that don't go together. According to the press release, the Pop-Tarts Bowl mascot will run around the stadium interacting with fans and, when the final whistle blows, transform into a game-winning snack for the victors. Because nothing says victory like being socially obligated to eat something that's been running around for the last few hours interacting with thousands of strangers. Up next, I spoke to Maggie Harrison, the writer at Futurism, who broke this story stating that Sports Illustrated, a publication with an exalted 70-year history, has been publishing AI-generated content. We talked about how she got an inkling that this might be going on, what exactly SI has been doing, and what this means for the bigger media landscape. That conversation is coming up next. Very excited to be joined now by Maggie Harrison, staff writer for Futurism. Welcome, Maggie. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Great to have you. So you broke the story on Sports Illustrated using what seems to be is allegedly um, AI generated content. How did you first get tipped off to the idea that something was going on here? That's a great question. A few weeks ago, I want to say back in September, but it might have been October, uh, writers at it's called Reviewed. So USA Today Network, which is owned in turn by Gannett, which is a major, you know, American newspaper publisher. Writers at this reviewed site, which is a very, you know, kind of like a strategist. It's a lot of writers who they actually, you know, get the products and try them out and do very thorough research, then provide, you know, their best of this or best of that or why you should buy this, you know, water bottle or hockey stick, etc. Um, writers at reviewed came out against their owner and said, we believe very strongly that Gannett has not only been publishing AI-generated content to our website, but it's been published under these very sketchy and seemingly very fake bylines, which is fascinating in a lot of ways. You know, we've covered a lot of AI at Futurism. We've covered a lot of AI journalism. We broke CNET earlier in the year and can just continue to follow that line for the past couple months. Um, but the AI writers was a very strange aspect to this. And, you know, Gannett denied it in full, but we just kind of continued to, you know, search and see if we could find anything similar, followed some, you know, digital breadcrumbs, if you will. And we eventually ended up on Sports Illustrated, where we found a very similar operation happening, where uh, Sports Illustrated, under the umbrella of the Arena Group, its owner, as well as The Street, which is um, a financial publication bought by the originally founded by Jim Cramer, who's no longer affiliated, um, but, you know, bought by the Arena Group in 2019, I think. We found a boatload of fake authors who it's very strange like fake authors bylining the content repeatedly kind of scrubbed from existence and switched in with new fake writers to eventually be replaced by real people um and then we through some inside sourcing we were told that ai was involved in the generation of the content as well so fake writers and at least in part fake um or not necessarily fake but ai generated content as well and yeah let's let's unpack what's going on here a little bit more. So what was getting published on, on, you know, SI, is it, was it SI.com itself or SI affiliated sites? Like what what was exactly happening? It was SI itself. It was siphoned into a completely separate part of the website that after we had emailed several times was deleted entirely. So it's not, (laughs) we have it, it's been archived, but it's not actually online anymore. Um, the statement was only issued after our piece was published. We were never contacted throughout our reporting by uh, SI or the Arena Group. Um, or the Arena Group, I'll say the Arena Group. We were not contacted by the Arena Group. Um, but yeah, effectively, it, the content itself, so it's being published, it's called, it was si.com slash reviewed that's been replaced. I believe it's called si.com slash showcase now, which does seem to be, you know, a lot of real people giving reviews for various products. But Really strangely, you know, like the one we pointed out in the piece was this article about um, volleyballs or like it was talking about (laughs) talking about volleyball. And it's like the first thing that you'll need to be good at volleyball is a ball. And it was like really as if an alien came to Earth and had just textbooks of information in its head about what volleyball might be, but didn't really have any like understanding or semblance of actually what volleyball is <laughs> just this very like alien, strange sounding language. Um, and so a lot of like buying guides and listicles, it was all product reviews. So they, these fake authors weren't publishing news per se or features or any writing like that, but you know, it was, they're publishing fake 
material under, you know, the guise that a, a person is writing this. There was no disclosure of AI in any kind. Yeah, the line about how volleyball is hard to get into, especially if you don't have a ball, is um, one I'll remember for a long time. Just, yeah. <laughs> is, is there anything other, any other, uh, I don't know, robotic stay sounding uh, lines that you remember from uh, from all that? Yeah, I mean, there, there were so many. There were, um, there was on, the one, another one that we pointed out in the piece that, that really stood out was one that was actually over at the street where the formatting of the piece itself was very strange. Like it was like this financial advice that started off on, you know, uh, the opening line was something about like your financial status, like uh, it equivalates your worth in society, like a very like bold (laughs) statement about like what your, what your bank account means to like, uh, I don't know your worth, like your actual worth as a person in the world. (laughs) And then it went into like a numbered list of how to like get good at, finances um but it was all just number one like it should have been like one through five but it was just like one educate yourself one this and it was you know i personally like wouldn't take a financial advice from anyone who cannot count to five and that just screams you know there was just no quality control here like there's a lot of aspects of it that just it just didn't seem like you know either there was no care put into it yeah i mean one thing that was striking from from those examples you pointed out was not only does this seem like it's probably not written by a human, but also there's no human supervision. There's also the bios themselves really stood out to us as well. Like these bios that were given to these writers. So it's not just, you know, they, all these writers are able to trace back their profile photos that we just kept joking. Like this one character, Drew Ortiz looked like, I think our like calling card was, um, or we were calling it a, he looks like a Volturi extra from Twilight. Like, he's like really strange, like Uncanny Valley uh, features to all these different people that like kind of look like people, but you look closer and just something is off and strange. But the actual bios themselves, which were structured to give them a sort of expertise. So Drew Ortiz, going back to him, it was, you know, Drew lives in, grew up in a farm, surrounded by woods and can keep you from the perils of nature. And so he's good at, so like he would write articles, write articles often about, you know, they, they would vary. Like sometimes I go away from their own expertise, but about stuff like adventure gear. So these different profiles were created very much to like suit different product categories, which is incredibly misleading because you read, but then the bios themselves, you know, you look at them and while they had like a lot of very specific information it also was really vague, like, okay, well, where did, was Drew's farm? And who else has he written for? And what's his actual background other than lived in the woods? Like, it was very weirdly specific and weirdly vague bios at the same time. Right. And I believe I remember from your article, the the authors would sort of swap out once in a while. It wouldn't just be Drew Ortiz for years at a time. It would be him, but then like someone else in the same role. And, you know, obviously that could be, if these are humans, that could be, you know, different people with the same job. But yeah, was there anything you can add to that around like, I don't know, indications of some kind of strategy here around like, don't keep the same bot in the same place for the, for too long? Yeah, we really, that's one thing. Um, again, like these are questions that we asked, but we're, were never answered. Um, the switching out bylines is a very strange practice that we saw happen at both publications. Um, we can't really tell the rhyme or reason for it other than maybe they just invented a better profile or kind of wanted to not put too much content out under one name, but wanted to like keep the same articles as evergreen and not necessarily have to write something entirely new. But that was also something that stood out from an editorial perspective where like if you re-byline 
dozens and like we like dozens is accurate, like dozens of articles from one person and then we byline it to be like, oh no, Drew Ortiz doesn't write this. It was actually this person named Sora Tanaka, who's a fitness guru and a nutrition expert. And she's the one who actually wrote this article about volleyballs or lacrosse sticks or whatever it was. That's a major editorial change. And whether it's, you know, on the editorial side or the commerce side, that is something that any publication with any sense of like quality control or oversight would issue a correction for. And the fact that there was never a correction was also very striking and very strange from our perspective in our investigation. All right. So actually, I, I missed that part. So it'd be the same article. Let's say first it says Drew Ortiz wrote it. And then a little bit later, it says Sora Tanaka wrote this article. Yes, and, exactly. And that was the, wow, okay. I didn't, yeah. I, I thought <laughs> Sora Tanaka was writing her own articles. <laughs> no, Sora was, uh, she came in late. It was uh, Drew first from what we can tell. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So Sports Illustrated responded uh, saying that their parent company, the Arena Group, uses a third party provider for product reviews called Advon Commerce, that Advon has assured them that everything is done by humans. Uh, They did say they're upset to learn that Advon uses pseudonyms sometimes, which we can talk about that, too. But first of all, and the claim that this is all humans, um, how do you respond to that? We stand by our reporting. I think that, you know, to end the use of AI, to go as far as to use um, AI-generated people, but to say, you know, 100%, of course, there's no way that AI was involved in the content creation process seems a little bit far-fetched. Yeah, but we stand by our reporting. I mean, our sources have described a very different picture than the Arena Group is is, uh, providing right now. The Arena Group also hasn't gone out of their way to, you know, they said they did an investigation, but all they really said about this investigation was we asked our third party provider and they said everything was by the book, which isn't like my personal idea of a thorough investigation. So right now it's very, Arena Group is saying one thing, our sources are saying another thing, and we're standing very strongly by our reporting. Yeah. And I also thought it was notable that they're upset that Advan sometimes uses pseudonyms. I mean, which I don't know, I guess just that's against the principles of some organizations. I, it just it felt like they wanted something to be upset about where like maybe if they wanted to ditch Advon after this blows over, they could say, well, it's because they're using pseudonyms. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny to say, like, you know, like all this stuff is fine, but but, you know, but don't change people's names on us. Yeah, I, I completely um, agree with that. That was um, it felt a little and don't you worry, we gave him a talking to sort of was the right, right, right. energy yeah. that I got from that. But it's also <laughs> I would probably say. It's a strange pra- practice in general. I feel like pen names are usually like a nom de plume is for like a poet maybe who doesn't want to give their real name. But if you're in the business of, and I understand people want to protect their privacy, but there's other ways to do that. Like you could publish under, you know, Sports Illustrated Reviews team is a way to like produce content without bylines, but also, you know, provide some way of like holding a publication accountable or you know, not going out of your way to mislead a consumer about the expertise of a given person who in fact is not real. It's just a very bizarre practice from the get. And then I also just think that, you know, it's not, it's also, you know, in journalism, we'll use, you know, my sources and the piece are kept anonymous for fear of, you know, professional retribution, which is a very normal thing to do. But I just feel like if you might receive some sort of, you know, if your identity is so threatened by like, baseball reviews, that's a very strange thing to me. And maybe you might want to be in a different line of work. So all, all in all, the, you know, the rebuttal was a bit um, strained, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. And is there, do you have any sense of why this was just product reviews and not anything else, but they're okay with it being product reviews? Like, any feel for that? We are. So we all, we do have, um, I have to be careful. We were still doing a lot of ongoing investigations into, you know, the party at the center. And we have a lot of um, forthcoming reporting that we'll be putting out in the coming weeks. But, you know, about, you know, the nature of the material itself. But I would say, I mean, if I were to get, I won't like speculate on like the, you know, the perspective of anybody in a media C-suite. But I think that there is an idea where, because a lot of companies have put out, you know, listicles and evergreen content. A lot of SEO targeted articles, you know, CNET did it a while ago. Um, A lot of companies have put out, you know, even like news hits like MSN was putting out some like pretty bad news hits that we came across. Um, I would imagine that a lot of companies might think that affiliate content is a bit lower stakes. Then, you know, you're not like risking missing. Like if you give like a... Machines hallucinate, right? Like AI hallucinates. If you give like a little bit of bad information about like a tennis racket is going to be much different than giving a bad piece of information about, you know, a real person or global events. So I can imagine they might, they might think it could be lower stakes in a way to just, you know, glean some affiliate content, but it's still, you know, I just think that any time you chip away at the fabric of the information ecosystem, which is already very fraught to begin with. I think that's a bad thing no matter what. So like whether they thought this would be lower stakes or not, clearly people are very put off by it. Yeah. I mean, it gets into a whole like big thorny topic, which, but um, around, you know, like how much we're already using automated stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you've mentioned CNET, uh, Men's Journal, I think was also in your article. Do you have a sense of how prevalent this kind of thing is in the media landscape? I mean, right now, I try not to make predictions, but we've seen that, you know, it is happening and companies continue to keep trying to make it happen. Um, I think that this finding this sort of this level of brazenness in a content belonging to a company, a storied company like Sports Illustrated, I mean, I have long looked up to Sports Illustrated when in my youth, I would look forward to reading it every week. Like this story really, you know, finding this really like hurt me personally as somebody who's, you know, revered Sports Illustrated for a long time. Um, to find it in Sports Illustrated, I find it was very jarring. And that, that said, you know, the CEO of Arena Group, Ross Levinson, has, you know, way back before that Men's Journal article came out, he made a whole thing about how we're going to do AI, but we're going to do it right. And more isn't better. Better is better. But they put out the first men's journal article, and it was riddled with medical inaccuracies. It's just separate futures of investigation found. Um, and then they clearly just did not learn from those mistakes. And a lot of people haven't learned from their own mistakes over the course of the past year. So I, I do think in a, such a fraught environment for, you know, the media industry has been having a pretty rough time. There have been a lot of layoffs, and a lot of those layoffs have been accompanied with AI efforts, even if, you know, the companies claim that they have nothing to do with each other. That could be true. Like it could be true that you're not directly laying off people to then like replace them with AI. But I think it's clear that a lot of companies are trying to use AI as a you know, band-aid for bullet wounds here. And I, so I do think based on just the general environment of the media system or ecosystem, I, I think we're going to see more of it. But hopefully people start, you know, if people want to do a good job, that's fine. But <laughs> it's unclear what doing a good job with AI and journalism could look like. And so far... We haven't really seen any, you know, well-informed endeavors. Yeah. Um, and is the the incentive here for the companies that are doing this just as simple as 
humans are expensive, AI is cheap, and there's some stuff where they feel like they can probably get away with it? I think so. I, I think that, you know, there's just this baseline idea that like whenever you replace human labor in some capacity, you're you know, saving money. But on the one, when you actually look at the process, it's not totally clear. Like if I'm doing, if I'm trying to use like in my own reporting, if I were to try and use ChatGPT, which I don't because it lies to me, um, it would take me, I just find it would probably take me just as much time to do the research, if not more, if I'm like having to fact check every single line that like a machine paraphrased or paraphrased, you know, statement about the history of something or what happened here. Like I, I would have to go through and like fact check every line when I could just do my own research and use my critical thinking along the way. So I do think that there is, but you know, any, if AI could help workflows, that would be great. I just, I personally don't think the technology is there right now, but I do think that, um, I don't know. In, in the meantime, I, I think the technology could get there, but I think it does come out to like a, a simple numbers question or it, it, almost like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, hey, our numbers are down and maybe this will help. It's kind of the sense that I get. I, again, I can't really, it's all speculation. I can't really speak to what's going on in C-suites, but um, I think it's a general idea of we'll get content out somehow and maybe it'll get some clicks. But so far we've only really seen an erosion of websites in the process. Yeah, but I do wonder what this is going to look like in three to five years or so, where like the the profile pictures are less uncanny valley-ish and really just look like a person, and maybe the content is a bit more human-sounding, and it still won't have an actual human behind it, but it'll... And like, there, there's so much content out there that is written by humans where it's just like, yeah, this is, this is good enough. Like, this is, you know, this is me doing my job and just get, getting it done. And like, maybe an AI can get some of that stuff done too. And like, I don't totally know how to feel about all that. Um, and, and yeah, just to finish this up, I w- I'm wondering if you have thoughts on that. I mean, I, as somebody who, you know, I make my living writing. So to me, I'm hoping I'm still doing it. I mean, it, it Again, like making predictions is always difficult, especially with the technologies is moving as incredibly quickly as AI have. I mean, like this time a year ago, we were barely starting to talk about it if we were, and now we're talking about it constantly all the time. And it's absolutely like in journalism, it's changing an industry, it's changing several industries. So it could move really quickly. Like we could be at that point in a year where a lot of us are grappling with what our work really looks like in the age of AI. I think that, you know, if the technology gets to the point where it is reliable to use and it sounds like a person and like the humans themselves are tricky, I think that on like the media consumption side, I think that media literacy is going to be more important than ever. Uh, it's something that I have thought for a long time that should be taught in school. But now with the, in the age of AI, it's, it's I, I would probably argue it's more important than it ever has been. Um, so on the, the consumption side of media, that's one question where like, being really careful about where we get, where we get our news from, people going back to their browser bars and going to very specific websites to get their information because they believe that they can trust them. I mean, I think a lot of Sports Illustrated readers have been let down because they thought that they could trust Sports Illustrated. Um, and then on the media, on the writer side, you know, I think that it, at that point it comes down to, you know, an ideological question of how much do we value human labor and human words? And I think... From the media production angle, I think that there might be some ways to incorporate AI more, you know, in ways that make more sense, whether it's for, you know, integrated SEO purposes or um, if a a lot of companies have been exploring, you know, making their own chatbots based on their own, like their own copyrighted, like archives of work. And there could be some interesting things that could be done with that. But 
at the end of the, when it comes to replacing workforces, that's when it comes down to an ideological and an ethics question. And for consumers and people who work in, especially consumers, honestly, to say, really grapple with whether they want their, uh, want what they read to be written by humans, or they want it to be written by AI. And I think that the consumers will ultimately be the ones with the most power here. Maggie Harrison, human staff writer at Futurism. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. And you know what? I basically say the same thing every time. I'm going to ask ChatGPT to write me an outro here. Way of the future. All right. Write me an outro for my sports business podcast. All right. Oh, this is kind of long. All right. Thank you for joining us on this exhilarating journey through the world of sports on our business podcast. We hope that our discussions, insights, and interviews have provided you with valuable knowledge and a fresh perspective on the dynamic intersection of sports and business. From exploring the strategies behind successful sports franchises to uncovering the innovative technologies shaping the future of the industry, we have endeavored to bring you thought-provoking content that sparks inspiration and fuels your passion for the game. We are truly grateful for your unwavering support and enthusiasm. Our listeners, like you, are the driving force behind our podcast, and your feedback and engagement have continually motivated us to deliver the best possible content. Remember, the world of sports is an ever-evolving landscape, constantly presenting new challenges, triumphs, and opportunities. As we bid farewell to this episode, we encourage you to remain curious, adaptable, and always hungry for knowledge. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned executive, or simply a sports enthusiast with a keen interest in the business behind the game, we hope that our podcast has empowered you to make informed decisions, embrace innovation, and navigate the intricacies of this vibrant industry. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes where we will continue to explore the latest trends, share inspiring stories, and dive deeper into the strategies that drive success with the ever-changing world of sports business. Remember, the final whistle doesn't mark the end. It's just the beginning of a new game. So lace up your metaphorical boots, keep your eye on the ball, and join us as we unravel the fascinating world of sports business. Thank you once again for being a part of our sports business podcast. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams, making bold moves, and embracing the winning spirit within you. Game on. Wow. Chat GPT is, uh, you know, making us look bad here. All right. This is me again. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 